Sometimes it's hard to see the good in someone, especially if that someone has hurt us or done something wrong. I was watching the latest Spider-Man movie. I know I'm a couple months late, um, but in my lifetime, there's been like 15 Spider-Man movies. Um, And what was interesting about this one is that they brought all the previous villains in all the different Spider-Man movies into this movie. And I'm not giving that much away because that's like the beginning of the, of the film. And what, what's interesting that happens is that Spider-Man, instead of his usual self trying to you know, kill all these villains right away, he has this moment where he desires instead to heal them, to save them. He sees redeemable qualities in them, and he desires to restore them back to goodness. I thought, wow, this is really an interesting plot, because now the plot begins of how is Spider-Man going to do it, and and then begins the rest of the movie. But it's a beautiful um, example, just in, you know, uh, a modern film, of the old adage that we must love the sinner and hate the sin. We've probably heard this before, love the sinner, hate the sin. I don't know who said it first. But we know something deep within us that this is the way in which we go about the gospel. There's something very wise about that saying. We must love the sinner. We have to reverence their humanity. They were created in the image and likeness of God. We know as Catholics, we truly believe that every human person has a fundamental goodness deep down. Even the most evilest of people are still created by God. It's a great mystery that even good people can do bad things. And sometimes the worst things that can be done are still done by human beings and therefore somewhere deep down inside. There is goodness. We also have to recognize that we too are sinful. We too have made mistakes, have have turned our backs against God. And although we may not be quite as evil as some others, we too have to have the humility to recognize that all have fallen short of the glory of God. As I mentioned last week, we all are sinners. And therefore, it can help us Love the sinner a little bit more. Have a little bit more compassion on the fact that we are all part of God's family. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. But at the same time, to say that we're going to love the sinner does not mean that we ignore the sin. At the same time, we still should and must hate the sin. Because we know that sin is a sickness. Sin is evil. Sin divides and destroys our lives. It hurts our relationship with God. It also negatively impacts our relationship with others. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll notice and embrace the fact that it destroys our relationship with ourselves. That sin is never good. It just doesn't It's not good for us no matter how you flip it. It may be temporarily enjoyable, but it always destroys. It's never good. And so now we have this challenge before us 
to love the sinner and hate the sin, and to somehow bring these two choices together into a creative act. And we see that so beautifully done in today's gospel. Although the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, it doesn't actually appear in Scripture, we do see it played out in today's gospel. We see it often played out in the gospels, but especially in today's, where Jesus approaches a woman who is accused of committing adultery. There's apparently witnesses that have caught her in the very act of adultery. What's crazy about this story is, you know, where's the man? For some reason, just the woman is on trial. I don't know. Someone asked me about that after one of the masses. The answer is, I don't know. These people are crazy. For some reason, they got the woman, all right, and not the man. But nonetheless, she's on trial, and she has all these angry men saying she must be stoned to death according to the Mosaic law. And they bring her to Jesus. What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to condemn this woman to death? And Jesus so cleverly, as he always does, outdoes our expectations. He can never be put in a trap. He always outsmarts those that try to get him. And somehow, so beautifully, brings together what it looks like to love the sinner and hate the sin. He says, let the, first, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to cast a stone against her. Brilliant. I wouldn't have thought of that. But brilliant. Because, of course, we're all sinful. And, of course, those that are accusing her and yet those that even witnessed her in this sin are themselves sinful. And one by one, they walk away. Jesus turns to the woman and says, has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir. And this is important, Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus actually is without sin. Nonetheless, the good news of the gospel is that he is abundant in mercy. Neither do I condemn you. He loves the sinner. He recognizes that there is a human person underneath this sin. That there is a fundamental goodness. He meets her face to face and welcomes her back into the merciful arms of the Father. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just ignore what she's done. He doesn't just say, well, it's okay. It's not really that big a deal. At the same time, simultaneously, while he's loving the sinner, he hates the sin. He turns to her and says, go and do not sin anymore. In other words, you are forgiven. I love you. I hold nothing against you. Jesus can forgive sins, and he does. But he says, go and sin no more. Moving forward, now that you have been restored, set free, and brought to wholeness, move forward. No more sin. Why does he do this? Because we know that sin is destructive and Jesus desires what's best for her. And he knows that sin is out to get her, out to destroy her life. And so Jesus loves a sinner, hates the sin. It's hard to do, especially whenever we have to imitate Jesus on this one. Usually we kind of err on one side or the other. 
So which one's more difficult for you? Is it more difficult for you to love the sinner? Or is it more difficult for you to hate the sin? If it's more difficult for you to love the sinner, perhaps you're the type of person that just has no patience with people, no mercy, no compassion. You don't understand why people are the way they are. If they can only do things like you do it. Maybe you just are hateful deep within. You find yourself just tearing people apart in your mind and maybe even start gossiping about them any chance you get, tearing apart their weaknesses, failures, and mistakes. You hate the sinner instead of loving the sinner. You keep them at arm's length. You you draw such a high boundary over anyone that smells like sin so that you can hide in your perfect little world. Or maybe it's easier for you, I'm sorry, more difficult for you to hate the sin. I often find this is more common. It's easier to just say, oh, it's no big deal. You don't want to make enemies. So, you know, just anybody, you do you, I do me. We're all going to get along here. And you never call out sin for what it is. You're tolerant of the evils in society because you don't want to sound overly political or overly religious. Maybe, unfortunately, you maybe even find yourself celebrating sin. Someone does something that is not good, but you say congratulations or, oh, that's really good. Or, God forbid, we encourage and aid, help people in their sin. Because we don't want them to think that we're being too judgmental. Which one's more difficult for you? Is it more difficult for you to love the sinner? Or is it more difficult for you to hate the sin? It's hard to do both. Consider the people in your life. Especially the ones that are difficult to strike this balance. Consider the thief and the liar. Or consider the person who left the church or who got married outside of the church. Consider the person who is an alcoholic, addicted to drugs, or living the LGBT lifestyle. Consider the adulterer, the atheist, or the racist, the gossip, the bully. The people in your life that are hard to strike this balance, where you find it difficult to love the sinner and hate the sin. So how do we do it? What can we do? How do we strike this balance? Because unfortunately, as we can see, it's not easy. It's not an easy answer. Because every circumstance is different. We're talking about human beings with names and faces with a story, a background, context. Every situation is complicated. And it's not going to be black and white. So how are we going to do it? Well, as we make these decisions, as we discern it and bring it to prayer and ask God for help, there are two guideposts that we can use in our discernment. Those are charity and truth. Charity is another word for love. Charity and truth are both another word for God himself. We know that God is love. St. John tells us that. 
And we also know Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So charity and truth go together. They're two sides of the same coin. You really can't have one without the other if you really want to have the fullness of both of them. And so charity, we begin with charity. We, we, we recognize that Jesus is in this person, behind that face, no matter how evil of choices this person has made. We begin with charity, meaning we, we seek to understand. We try to listen, see their perspective. Try to have compassion on the fact that sin is a sickness. Perhaps they are addicted to a bad lifestyle. Perhaps they made a choice without realizing it and finally found themselves in a lifestyle of darkness. We have compassion, recognizing and reverencing their human dignity. We begin with charity. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of gentleness, a lot of humility to keep charity as a guidepost. But at the same time, we we work with truth. We uphold the truth. We know that truth is truth, that we can't deny it. We can't abandon it. We know that sin is real and it destroys and it's, it's negatively impacting all of us. We know that the good news of the gospel is a real thing that Jesus Christ actually lived. He's a historical figure. And his teachings, his message, and his invitation for us into eternity, it's all true. And just because we may not like something within Scripture or within uh, his teaching doesn't make it any less true. And so we can't abandon truth. Otherwise, it's to our demise. And so we uphold it. We, we do what we can to stay consistent to it. This takes a lot of honesty. It takes a lot of consistency, perseverance. It takes a lot of courage to stay true to the gospel. Charity and truth are our guidepost. And every situation is unique. It's going to take creativity, just like Jesus used in the gospel. It's going to take grace, a lot of God's help. It's going to take discernment, listening to his voice and giving us direction. And God may tell us to do different things at different times. He may tell us to step outside of our comfort zone. But at the same time, he may tell us to draw a healthy boundary for you and for your family. God may invite you to act very quickly. But at the same time, he may ask you to wait and to be patient. God will probably ask you to forgive. But he may also ask you, to ask for forgiveness. We're not sure what God may ask of us, but if we bring all these situations to prayer, keep charity and truth as our guideposts and strive to love the sin and hate the sin, love the sinner and hate the sin, then God will show us and we too can imitate Jesus in today's gospel. Amen.